Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Noelle. And And we're we're licensed licensed to gossip. Get ready for a juicy breakdown of pop culture and the law with two attorney besties. We won't be giving any legal advice, but we are here to have a good time. So let's get into it. All right, here we go. We are on episode three of our pod. This one is Austin Butler v. Elvis, and I have been waiting for this episode. I am so, so excited. (laughs) What'd you say before? Austin Butler is is v. Elvis. He is v. Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) He's very Elvis. Yes. I am so excited. I am sitting here, for our listeners who can't see, I am sitting here wearing a pink lace shirt that I solely bought to embody Austin Butler's Elvis from the movie. Hold on. I'm going to pull up a little pic so I can show you what I mean. Um, oh, this man. is the one. I'm going to show you. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, for those who can't see, Austin Butler <laughs> is wearing this kind of collared, lacy, button-down shirt looking very cute. Like guitar very band. Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, in, I'm feeling the vibes. I'm not going to do this pod in the Austin Butler Elvis voice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm, but can can you try? Can you give us your best impression? <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was great. That was I, tragic, uh, I, honestly. Austin Butler Goodbye. should take lessons from you, honestly. From me. Yeah. Vanessa Hudgens also told me that I should play Elvis. <laughs> Side note. She's um, just telling everyone that then. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, I am so excited. For those of you who don't know, Baz Luhrmann is my favorite director. Love all of his films. So I'm excited to dive into this episode today. But first, before we go into all that, Ali, what the fuck happened last week? Okay, I have a few things. And okay. the first one is is kind of personal. Okay. And I have to correct something that I said in our first episode that I've gotten some some feedback from from our listeners, specifically my sister-in-law, my amazing sister-in-law, Lauren, um, told me that I should never have said that I'm fake Italian because that's a lie. <gasps> and she's right. I, I was kind of lying. It was, it was supposed to be a joke, but it, it wasn't that funny um, in retrospect because, well, my Nona immigrated here from Italy, so I need to give her the credit. Yes. Immigrants. <laughs> Not cool for me done. to said that. Yes. Um, Lin-Manuel. So yeah, so I am Italian. Um, kind of the reason I joke that I'm fake Italian though, is because we have this kind of running joke in my immediate family. Um, because even though my Nona immigrated from Italy on my dad's side, my mom's grandparents immigrated from Sicily. Okay. Yeah. And my mom did one of those 23andMe tests. Has anyone in your family ever done that? No one in my family has that I know of. I'm very curious about, though. I, I always go back and forth on whether or not I'm interested in doing that. Yeah, because you guys, you guys are French, right? Yeah, my family's French. They're Cajun French. So they came from Nova Scotia down to Louisiana. They were actually deported back in the 1700s. It was the grand oh deportation. Yeah, so we've done a journey up there to sort of see where our family was and find our last name on the registry of the town and everything. So that was a really cool trip. Um, and yeah, my memo has our lineage mapped out all the way back to that point. That is point. really amazing. That's so amazing that you can map that out. Yeah, I think on yeah. my mom's side, my amazing Aunt Rosie has mapped 
our lineage on that side, but I honestly can't remember it. But I do know that there's some kind of Sicily ties, I think, on my my mom's grandparents. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so when she did that 23andMe, she found out that she's actually mostly Greek, not Italian. Okay, how how was that for her? Was that kind of like a shock? Was she excited or...? She was not. She's very much identifies as being Italian. So I think like my mom doesn't really publicize this. I'm sorry for saying this mom on the podcast. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she found out that she was more North African than she was Italian. So I think she was just like, yeah, she was just disappointed at how small of a percentage of Italian she actually was. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that's a common story from what I hear from people who have done the 23andMe. Definitely, definitely. And um, yeah, I know that a lot of my aunts, her sisters are very much in denial, like they don't take the test because they're like, no, if I just don't take it, then I'm still Italian. Right. (laughs) (laughs) If I don't know, I could just keep believing what I want to. Yeah, Yeah. honestly, I I feel like my family's probably the same way. Like, I'm sure there's there's some other sorts of things thrown in there, you know, along the line. But you listen, it's it's cultural identity. It yeah. doesn't matter what what a DNA test says. If you grew up thinking you were Italian, you're fu- you're fucking Italian, okay? Yeah, you still you still make pasta with the fam. I still do gumbo with my fam. Yes, the amazing gumbo yes. that you make every Thanksgiving always mm-hmm. looks so good. Yes, love that. Okay, so that's the end of my what the fuck happened for my on my personal note. Love it. Um, as far as what the fuck happened in the world, mm-hmm. uh, we did receive a verdict in the Gwyneth Paltrow trial. <gasps> yes. yes. Oh, yes. my God. Do tell us, Allie. What's the verdict? So the jury found in her favor she was not liable and she was awarded $1. And for those of you who live under a rock, it's been all over social media and the news. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow was sued in Utah by this retired doctor for this skiing accident that happened at this what sounds like an amazing Utah ski resort that you know the likes of us us peasants will (laughs) never ever see but right yeah it was the whitest lawsuit ever uh but yeah (laughs) it was all very there was very interesting clips of the attorneys questioning in the case Mm -hmm. um Yes, well, would just... you like to give more detail <laughs> on those amazing uh, Some clips? Of those clips? Yeah, discussing what heels she was wearing and talking about how she wishes she was taller. And Gwyneth was like, "Well, I feel like I'm shrinking. You look really good in those." I'm like, "What? Yeah. What is this? What are we talking about? Like, objection, relevance? Right. Like, what? Where, what were these attorneys doing? Like, they were sleeping over there." Yeah, I also saw that Gwyneth was wearing a sweater that was part of her goop line while she was on the stand. <laughs> that killed me. I saw that it was apparently a $600 sweater. No way. Yeah, it's just a basic white turtleneck, but Ugh. $600, it could be yours. I mean... You could be a, a goop girly. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could. I mean, honestly, like, this this guy, I mean... You know, these people sue celebrities for stuff like this all the time, right? I mean, who knows if he would have sued somebody else random who ran into him on the ski slope. But I'm over here just being like, I want Gwyneth to run into me on a ski slope. (laughs) Like like what I would give. I could tell. (laughs) Can you imagine if you like just got rammed over on a slope, got up or trying to sort everything out and you look up and it's Gwyneth Paltrow? 
Yeah, I mean, apparently she did not help him, though, after... Like, she's already down I mean, the bottom of the mountain by the time he gets up. Yeah, I mean, apparently, clearly he was, I guess, more injured after the fact from the accident, even though I guess it was his fault now since we have the jury verdict. Mm-hmm. That's what they decided. Um, but yeah, I think I would still be pretty pissed at her if she rammed into me if and then was stop. like, all right, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Gotta go fix she, like, my $600 sweater. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Hello, Apple. Apple, come here, sweetie. We oh. have to go eat our goop green soup that we're making yeah i'm sorry i'm thinking of there was like this episode of this show made by john favreau it's like Mm -hmm. a few years old now but you know that movie chef that he's in yes oh yeah Yeah. i love that movie Mm -hmm. so he made like kind of a series i think it's on netflix where he cooked all these random things Mm -hmm. and the first episode was gwyneth paltrow making the most disgusting looking green soup that was just a bunch of vegetables blended up and then Nah. John, Fav- I feel like John Favreau is totally faking it. He's like, mmm, so good. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> oh, oh, that's gosh. hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, you know, Gwyneth is her, her own special person, but we do love her. I got to say, I'm a Gwyneth fan. <laughs> I I can't say the same, but oh, no. I don't have anything against her necessarily, but yeah. not, a, not a huge fan or not anything. Not a huge fan. But yeah, wow. this is great publicity for her. Yeah, free publicity. That's true. And you know what? That is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to yes. ta- be talking about something called the right of publicity. That's what we're talking about today in context of the Elvis movie. So I feel like just in general, these biopics in Hollywood have sort of just become a bigger thing over the past couple years than they have been before. I mean, Definitely. the first one I can think of is Bohemian Rhapsody in 2018 was kind of a big one. That was the Queen one, the Freddie Mercury. And oh, yeah. As far as the like musician ones. Go, yeah, sure. exactly. As far as the musician ones. Um so he Rami Malek won the Oscar for that one. And then after that, we had the Elton John one, Rocket Man. Um, that was the next year. And then we had there was the Whitney Houston one, the Jennifer Hudson. So I think this is the fourth. Which I have one. to admit, I haven't seen any of those that you mentioned. Wait, really? Oh my god. <laughs> like I, I haven't seen any of them. I don't know why, but something about the music biopics, I don't know. Like you made me watch Elvis. I did. Which well, I'm, yeah. I'm very glad I did. I'm very glad I did. But I don't know. You why. did put that just, off for a while. Like you didn't watch I, it until like two weeks ago. <laughs> I, for literally months, Noelle was like, You have to watch Elvis. You have to watch it. And I was like, Yeah, totally. I think, well, some of my hesitation is that it was like three hours long, which if that scares was you, it, it does really? go by fast. Was it three it's hours? a long movie. Okay. It's yeah. close to three hours. It probably was. I definitely saw it at least four times in theaters over the summer. In what? Yeah. I know. I I might have seen it five times. Maybe I shouldn't be admitting that. I definitely saw it four. That's very, (laughs) that's very on brand for you. (laughs) It is. I'm a movie repeat watcher. So (laughs) yeah, but I do, I do love it. And it is wild that it's the fourth one that I can think of, at least right now of, yeah, like you said, the, the musician specific biopics um, that have kind of come about over the past few years. So I feel like a lot of people just kind of wonder how these come about, like what kinds of permissions and rights do you need? And there's a lot of them, especially when we're talking the music biopics. I mean, there's tons with the different songs and images and all that stuff. But we're going to focus specifically on 
the right of publicity for this episode today. Yeah. Um, and, and to your kind of question about, you know, do you need to get permission from the person or the estate, um, if the person's dead, mm-hmm. to create those biopics? And the short answer is no. We'll get more into it when we explain the right of publicity. Um, but it does help to get permission, especially when it comes to musicians, when you have to, you know, license their the rights to their music. Um, so there are plenty of unauthorized biographies in Hollywood. And um, apart from the ones about musicians, I'm thinking of like the founder about the McDonald's founder, Ray Kroc, which was starring Michael Keaton. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, that was a good movie. It's been a while since I've seen yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. It was. And I think another really popular one that was made recently was The Social Network, you know, David Fincher, mm-hmm. about Mark Zuckerberg. Um, Andrew Garfield being the Winklevi <laughs> twins. Yeah, and then, wait. Wait, Army that's Hammer. not right. It's Army no, Hammer. Army Hammer. Yeah, you're right. Andrew Garfield was the... Um, Eduardo is that his name the friend yes he was Eduardo yes. and then we had um, then Justin we? Timberlake as well yeah he was the Napster guy it's been a while since I've seen that one too I have to admit I really don't like that movie really <laughs> um yeah it just gives Sigma male vibes mm-hmm. and I'm we don't- I, I've seen it. it it was good but I also just think I'm not the biggest David Fincher fan so I think that's where that's coming from yeah and Maybe not the biggest Zuckerberg fan either. <laughs> well, for sure. So anyway. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so these biopics can be made that are unauthorized. You know, okay. obviously they did not get permission from Mark Zuckerberg to make that really? movie about him. <laughs> he, he very publicly disliked it. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to musicians, the challenge, um, if they're unauthorized, is that you know, you might not be able to obtain music rights from that artist or their estate. Um, So I found this very tragic example of this movie called Britney Ever After. Ooh, Um, would this be Britney as in Spears? (laughs) The one and only Britney Spears. Um, So it's an unauthorized Lifetime biopic. And she might have even posted about this on her Instagram at the time it was coming out. I, I can't remember now. Okay. But it was totally panned because they did not have the rights to any of her music. What? So, <laughs> so the they movie, tried to create a whole movie about Britney Spears without her music? Without a single Britney Spears song. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. I can't even imagine watching that. Like, that must be – I mean, if, if you've seen it, let us know. Yeah, I, let us know. I mean, no wonder we haven't heard about it. It must not have been too successful. <laughs> Yeah, so that's an example where, like, you know, it can kind of be better to get the permissions um, for a multitude of reasons from the person you're making the biopic about. Um, Mm -hmm. But going back to this right of publicity, yeah, I think people ask a lot of the times when you're talking about these big celebrity um, celebrity subject movies Mm -hmm. is don't these celebrities own the right to their image? Like how can these unauthorized biographies exist in the first place? Yeah, so that's a great question. So they do own the right in their image to a certain extent, and that's what we'll dive into, the right of publicity. But those unauthorized biopics can come about because of the First Amendment freedom of expression. So people can use um, someone's image if they're creating something that has educational value, something like that, that they're giving to the public. So, you know, educational value, commentary, news reporting, those types of things are First Amendment um, protections. And so 
you can definitely use somebody's image in those types of biographies in order to do that. Um, Kind of particularly goes to public figures, right? So someone mm -hmm. like Mark Zuckerberg, like he's obviously an important public figure, whether you like him or not. Um, So having these uh, like a biography, whether it's this movie, the social network, or maybe an unauthorized like written book about him, that is that is beneficial to public discourse about this person. Definitely, definitely. And I would say that the bar for that is pretty low too, because obviously when you're talking about that movie, The Social Network, you know, obviously it's not 100% factual. It doesn't need to be 100% factual for it to fall under that category. But yeah, it, you so know. long as they're not completely making shit up and lying about him. So you're totally right. You hit the nail on the head with that one. So as long as they're not solely exploiting the public figure when doing this, appropriating their image in that way to make money off of them in a bad light, basically, um, then then it's okay. And the bar for that is low as well. So as, as long as there's some type of educational value in it, then we don't run into those type of issues here. Okay. So, so what's a good what would be a good like take home definition for the right of publicity for our listeners? Yeah. So basically when we're talking about right of publicity, it is a person's image. It's their likeness. So we're talking about their name, image, likeness, um, what conjures up an image of them in your mind. And so the the right of publicity is the the commercial usage of that person's image and likeness. So when you're gotcha. talking about that right being violated, it's being appropriated, it's being exploited, something like that. And so that's why, and you mentioned this earlier, but that's why we typically see this in public figures, in celebrities, things like that, because those are the people who have an image that everybody can recognize and everybody can see, oh, this is this person. This is trying to look like this person, create an image of this person in your mind, make the viewer, the audience member um, think about this, this certain celebrity figure. Okay. So the right of publicity mm -hmm. really does focus on kind of the commercial value of a public figure's image. That's kind of the intent behind giving them the, giving them the avenue to sue people for using that image is if they are commercially exploiting it because the idea is that these celebrities have economic value in their images and they should be the ones profiting off of it, not other people without their consent. Exactly. Exactly. It's sort of like we've talked about before with intellectual property rights. So this, this right of publicity is a form of property right. So it's similar to, we talked about it when we were talking about copyright and public domain, you know, artists do own the rights to their work and they should be able to be the ones to profit off of that. So it's similar to this where a celebrity owns the right of publicity, just like somebody would own a copyright in their work, similar to that idea. Okay, cool. Uh, when we were when we were talking about this episode, I did think of a cute example that I think I'd like to share. Is Ooh, that cool? Go for it. I want to hear an example. Yes. So I think I was inspired by, do you remember that Pepsi commercial with Kendall Jenner? Yeah, so random, absolutely. But... I could never forget that. Yes. I loved it. Okay. So this is, that was my inspiration. Um, but I was right. thinking of an example of a violation of the right of publicity. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Coca-Cola couldn't use an image of Ariana Grande without her consent on a can of Coke in order to drum up business. So like if they put a picture of Ariana Grande on a Coke can trying to sell to big Ariana stands, what do they call themselves? I don't even know. 
I don't know. I don't, do they have a special name? You know how they're like little monsters for Lady Gaga fans or Swifties. <laughs> right. I know. I was going to say Granders, but that's. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the equivalency is for. <laughs> Let us Grande know. Fans. Let us know if you're part yeah. of this group. What if, you're you're a, if you're a Grander, we, we right. apologize. Um, so obviously, like they couldn't use that picture of her on the can without her consent. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if they used like a lookalike with her iconic ponytail and like a Ooh. you know specific costume of hers that's recognizable? Would that be okay? I mean, that sounds like a super creative way to try to get around this right of publicity issue, and I'm sure people have tried it before. But no, I mean, I think the way you even described it by saying her iconic ponytail, that's the key. Because if they are using somebody who looks enough like her, that it's conjuring up that image of her in the the customer's mind, in the consumer's mind that they're advertising to. And they are, just like you said, profiting off of that image and people are buying their product because of this then it's still just as problematic and just as a violation of the right of publicity, whether or not they're using an actual image of Ariana Grande or not. Yeah, so takeaway, even just using a part of their identity can be exploitative. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely, yeah. So I have a question that that just came to mind. So we're kind of talking about, in that case at least, we're talking about somebody who's living. Ariana Grande is here and, you know, she's she's with us and she <laughs> – Love her. Right. Um, but what are we talking about with the people who've passed on? You know, going back to Elvis, he's, he's not with us anymore. So is there anything that can be done with that? Is there anything post-mortem that can occur? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the word you used, postmortem. Ooh. So fans. So, so fancy. fans. Post-mortem. postmortem. meaning like after death. Okay, we get a little Latin in there. Ooh, um, yes. Yeah, so there are postmortem publicity rights. And like you said earlier, publicity rights are property rights. Um, so that means like they can be detached from the person and then transferred or assigned or sold to another person or entity. Um, So that also means in many jurisdictions that they can be put in a will. um, So they can be devised after a person is is dead. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So there are, you know, limitations. Um, There are many state statutes that cover this right. Um, So, for example, like California, um, like many other states, limits this postmortem publicity right to celebrities and famous people, which makes sense. Yeah, Um, because that's where we're seeing it mostly anyway, right, as we talked about. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, that same, like, California statue, uh, it has has, has a timeline on it. So that postmortem right ends 70 years after the death of the person in California. And there are other, you know, restrictions and caveats um, based on whatever state that you're in. But – Got yeah, it. so you can pass down your right of publicity. And famously, Elvis did that. He passed on his right of publicity um, to his his company, Elvis Presley Enterprises, which was, of course, inherited by his daughter, Lisa Marie, upon his passing. Um, so they were very litigious and 
I'll litigious meaning <laughs> loves to sue they Ooh. love to sue oh yes I mean that does make sense I'm sure there are a lot of celebrity estates that do the same <laughs> oh definitely um but you know the idea behind letting this right be passed down in death to this dead celebrity it's like why are we letting dead people rise out of the grave and sue um but it's the idea that this celebrity someone like Elvis Presley's just a great example because he is so iconic. He, he built his image up for so many years and he's still so famous even many Mm -hmm. years after his death. Um, But it's the idea that they've worked their whole life to obtain that celebrity status. um, And their life's work of building their identity shouldn't be exploited the moment that they die. So that's kind of the, the premise behind it. Yeah. So Elvis is still the number one solo recording artist of all time. He sold the most solo albums of all time. So Which is so amazing. I mean, I just can't believe yeah. that. It's so yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, he's seriously an icon. We all know that he's a legend. Um, so I, I did find this funny case about like the postmortem publicity specifically for Elvis. So Interesting. I was going to share that with you. Yeah, share that with us. I would okay, love to cool. hear. It's just kind of, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so it was this case out of New Jersey, a federal court case. Um, and it was, I think in 1981. So it was like a few years after Elvis had died. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Elvis estate sued this show that was called The Big L Show, um, L as in Elvis. L as in, it's spelled like E-L, E-L Got as in it. Elvis. Um, yeah, so it was this impersonator performance that basically, it tried to recreate the feeling of being at an Elvis concert after Man, his passing. I'm bummed that I missed out on the big L. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, it, it was as the court found a bit exploitative of his image mm. um and they were they were also like using his image and likeness on like promotional materials for the show they were tragic yeah they sued them for a bunch of other things but one of the things they sued was for violation of the right of publicity okay um yeah and the court found in that case like in comparison to a, a biographical film or play which you know traced the role of Elvis's life or his role in the history of rock and roll this impersonation show in this case provided very limited value to society. So like you had said earlier about how there's some protected forms of expression for using person's identity, this was not found to be a protected form. It was solely found to be a commercial exploitation of his image. It was not offering any commentary or educational value. So it was not a permissible use of Elvis's likeness. Interesting. I guess just because, like you said, they were really just trying to imitate, mimic exactly what an Elvis show would be like without Elvis and without getting any permissions for doing so. Yeah. Um, Interesting, which thankfully is not what we have here going on in our Baz Luhrmann version. Yeah. Uh, So like we've said, you know, even though you technically don't have to get permission to make like a faithful biography, unauthorized biography of a person. In this case, it was very much authorized, wasn't it, Noel? It was very authorized, yes. I mean, not that I was personally involved in the film at all, but I follow <laughs> <laughs> follow many of them on the well, Insta. Well, you did. You saw it five times. <laughs> I did, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe at this point I should be getting some royalties or something. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> uh, no, but... Yeah, so I, from everything I have seen and read, there was lots of communication between Lisa Marie, of course, 
she's no longer with us. She passed away, sadly, a couple days after the Golden Globes. But she was there through the whole process of the making of the movie, as well as Elvis's granddaughter, Riley Keough. Um, yeah. so and she, Priscilla, right? Priscilla and, was somewhat involved too. Yeah, Priscilla was involved too. They were all there on the red carpet together at the Globes. Um, so I think it's really cool to see that, like you said, well, you know, that that relationship doesn't always exist and doesn't always have to exist. It's really cool that in this scenario, it seems like it was important to Baz Slurman and to Austin Butler to really get the consent and the blessing. You know, they really wanted to have the family involved. Um, they even went to Graceland. Riley Keough shared, I remember on her Instagram, um, a picture of Austin Butler playing Elvis's guitar, which is really cool oh, to see. that's really sweet. Yeah, she wrote that like only a handful of people have ever played that guitar. And, you know, of course, she never got to meet her grandfather. So I think it's just cool that, you know, somebody can continue to let that legacy live on. And yeah, I'm excited to just see more of them. I don't know if you've seen, this is yeah, kind of off amazing. topic. I don't know if you've seen, um, Riley Keough is in a new series. It's called Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh um, yeah. I've yeah. seen the ads. It has the Finnick from the Hunger Games, isn't it? it? Yes, it does. Also come, come. <laughs> I don't know his Maroney. name. It's like Sam something. But... Sam, yeah. Sam something. And it has Camilla Maroney too. Elvis lives on. Elvis lives on through his granddaughter. Yeah. She's playing a musician in it. So that's the part that I feel like is cool because I don't know a lot about her background, but I'm like, wow, it's cool to see parts of him living on through his granddaughter yeah. and and through, through the Austin movie. Butler, yeah. Who is Elvis? He is. He really he, If you haven't seen it, I mean it really is. He carries that movie. Austin Butler's performance is He really does. I mean, without him the movie would not be what it is. Um personally, I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie and I'm not as big of a Baz Luhrmann fan as Noelle is but I <laughs> it's mean hard Austin to be. <laughs> Butler it's it's hard to deny that he was living and breathing as Elvis I mean mm -hmm. he's he's really convincing it is it's kind of I don't know it's just amazing watching him like yeah I do feel like I'm watching Elvis I know it makes you emotional really like I, I feel like he is embodying Elvis's soul in the whole movie like it's more than just the voice and the mannerisms and the outfits you know and and the dancing which is all great but it's like yeah. he really does seem to embody the soul of Elvis and I, I haven't heard a single person talk badly about his performance so no I, I was really impressed at his musicianship because mm -hmm. you know I mean we know Austin Butler had some like Disney moments here and there <laughs> and like I don't know he hasn't done a lot um but I didn't know he had such capabilities as a musician and he really embodies Elvis when he's performing and that is a very difficult performer to embody I mean Elvis was so unique he has such a unique style, such a unique vocal sound. And Austin Butler really captured that. And I was just very impressed. And they like re-recorded all of these Elvis songs using his voice. And honestly, like you kind of can't even tell with some of them. Mm -hmm. It really sounds like Elvis. I totally agree. Like listening, I mean, I've listened to the soundtrack so many times, just like I do with every single one of Baz Luhrmann's soundtracks. <laughs> he is known for that there. He makes yes. fabulous soundtracks. He definitely does. And that's why I'm so glad he's the one who directed this movie, because I really can't picture it being done 
by anybody else. But he did such a good job of doing what you said, of really kind of like blending the two together. There's so many mashups, so many mixtures of original Elvis recordings with modern day artists to sort of give the viewer, give the audience a similar feeling to what it might have been like to be in the audience at an Elvis performance at the time. Like, I think that Baz really just has that ability to transport you. And it can't be done by just playing Elvis's songs now, even though we love them now and cherish them now. It has to be done with that mixture of the then and the artist now. And he just does that so well. I really can't find anybody else who could compare. (laughs) Yeah, on that note, I did think it was really amazing how the music producer for the film like actually combined vocal tracks like towards the end of the movie they actually blended like Elvis's real voice with Austin Butler's because you know Elvis sounded different later in his life and I thought it was so fascinating how he blended it so it still sounded like Austin but still sounded like Elvis at the same time Uh, and I don't know I feel like it really honored Elvis and if you haven't seen the movie I mean the last hour is really sad Elvis's life mm-hmm. Elvis life takes a really tragic turn um but I was so emotional at the end like you know I love like Suspicious Minds is one of my favorite yes, songs that's my yes. favorite one and we got a full yeah. recording of that in the film which I love yes and yeah. then I also was obsessed with Unchained Melody which is they mm-hmm. show this really heartbreaking performance of Elvis's Um, towards the end of his life and they end up like showing images of Austin Butler performing it and actual images of Elvis at the end of his life performing this song with such vigor with such passion I mean he was truly an artist of Mm -hmm. yeah of just great renown he he's amazing and I was tearing up at the end like that was definitely the most emotional part of the film agreed it was so good so Let's talk about the least emotional part of the film. <laughs> oh, God. I know where this is going. I'm like, ugh. While we love it. And yeah, I, I feel like I've said enough times how much I love it. But <laughs> what was definitely not it was Tom Hanks's Colonel Parker. Specifically, the voice was was not it. I, I'm not sure where that voice came from. Like, like, I need to find some video. I don't know if there is any videos or recordings of this Colonel Tom Parker. For those of you who don't know or haven't seen the film, that's Elvis's manager in the film. So this movie is kind of told from his perspective and he's narrating it. But his voice is just such an interesting accent and strange drawl. And he's so uninteresting and boring. And it, it really we, is We the can worst. just say it. Is, is Tom Hanks, like... I? I don't want this. This is not a Tom Hanks hate podcast, but I mean, is he just losing it? What's going on? Like his performance was tragic. It was just terrible. And I know I said the same thing about Pinocchio. Like I said the same word. It's tragic. It it is tragic though. Seriously, it was so bad. It's so distracting because he's in almost every scene Mm -hmm. that you're just like waiting. You're like, oh my God, can I please get one scene without Tom Hanks's terrible Colonel Parker voice and his awful prosthetics that they put him into terrible, terrible looked so bad and yeah if he's not on screen you're hearing his voiceover (laughs) telling you what's happening next I know and like you said the voice is the worst part so I know that was really unfortunate but this wouldn't be the first time that Baz Luhrmann had an uninteresting narrator (laughs) maybe maybe we can get a director's cut where he just cuts 
all of the voiceovers of that Tom Hanks great. out so we can just appreciate Austin Butler's Elvis and not mm-hmm. have Petition to for that. <laughs> be tortured the entire movie. I know. Yeah. I, I will say, though, I thought it was really interesting to tell the story from that perspective because I definitely had not heard this side of things. I did not know who this Colonel Tom, first of all, like, why is he a colonel? That's so weird. Um, uh, but- <laughs> it was like an honorary title yeah, or honorary. something. Like, he's not a real colonel. Uh, <laughs> but it was really interesting to hear things from that perspective. And it makes you have this whole other side of sympathy for Elvis that, you know, he was taken advantage of. And as as many celebrities are, I think. But um yeah, it, it's interesting. I de- definitely went down some rabbit holes of researching into this guy and figuring out <laughs> who he was. Yeah. Yeah, he seemed terrible. Yeah. Another <laughs> um, episode. We won't go yeah, into all that. But there's some interesting stuff there. Um so we know we hated Colonel Tom Parker's voice. You've said that. Yes. What about Austin's Elvis voice? Smash or pass? <sighs> That is the most smashest thing <laughs> I could possibly think of. I the most smashest. the most smashest <laughs> thing. I I I really can't handle the people who are like, when is he going to be done with it? He needs to be done. I'm over the voice. I'm like, why does he need to be done? Why can't he just continue talking like this forever? You're you're looking at me like, um, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. I do think some of it's kind of fake. Like, I feel like he was doing some of it for the publicity leading up to all the awards season. And I mean, what's wrong with that, though? As he should. No, that's fine. We everyone does that. All the celebs do that for their movies. Um, Mm -hmm. Remember, we had Lady Gaga's "If You're the Only Person in the Room," whatever thing that she did, and that was like, oh my god, this is everywhere. I know. And you know, I love, I love Gaga. She's your gal. She's your gal. Yeah, that's saying something for everyone out there. I'll admit that was much. That was a little much. Um, but for me, it's the southern drawl. Like I don't I mind see. that he's speaking in a lower cadence. I don't okay. mind that he's, you know, has this more gravelly sound. I think if you practice speaking on your vocal cords or off your vocal cords, you can change the way that you talk. Like that mm-hmm. vocalists do that all of the time. My problem is the southern drawl. He's from LA. He's from California. <laughs> He Why is he not, sounding? He's not from Tennessee. <laughs> he's not from Tennessee. Allie, he's he not from is Elvis. Okay, he is. Elvis. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> like it's in my DNA. I can't right. help it. Yeah. We, maybe we need to see Austin Butler's Twenty Three and Me. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he. I is, saw but. a hilarious tweet that was like, you know, Austin. It was like Elvis's ghost is like ratatouilleing Austin Butler. Like it's like <laughs> pulling his controlling hair him. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Honestly, verb ratatouilleing. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would definitely follow some conspiracy that I'm sure there are some conspiracies out there that are like Elvis's ghost is inside of Austin. I don't know. I think Austin I probably believes that. I would believe he did some dark <laughs> magic seance <laughs> to channel Elvis's ghost. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I can see where you're coming from. I see what you mean about the Southern draw part of it. I, I just, I, maybe I need to hear that separated from it because I'm having a hard time envisioning it, but I, I'm just obsessed with it. I love it. It's become part of who he is now. All right. Well, everyone weigh in. Let us know. Is Austin Butler's Elvis voice a smash or a pass? Let us know. We want to hear thoughts. And thanks for tuning in. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Licensed to Gossip. Tune in next week for more juicy hot goss with a legal twist. This episode is produced by Ryko Theatricals. Follow us on all the socials at License to Gossip and DM us to share your thoughts on our latest debrief. Don't forget, I'm Allie. And I'm Noelle. Later, Later, babes. babes.